The KUAM Podcast Network is back and on demand, featuring a great variety of podcasts from our island and region, including culture, lifestyle, awareness, crime, politics, commentary, comedy, and entertainment. Available on most streaming platforms. The KUAM Podcast Network. Subscribe and listen now. Nisei, they are those born in North and South America of parents who were immigrants from Japan, important to the fabric of American life. We will be having a conversation on an important project that honors Japanese American veterans and internment camp survivors from World War II. Judge Johnny C. Gogo is our guest, the Santa Clara County, California Superior Court judge and Guam native Judge Gogo shares his insight on a national flag signing initiative he started to perpetuate and honor the stories of the Nisei from this important period in United States history. You are listening to That's It, That's All, Bonus. You are listening to That's It, That's All with Sean DiMatato. Hello there, you are listening to That's It, That's All with me, Sean Gumatautau. The podcast is brought to you by our friends at Get LLC. They are a business consulting and specialty construction materials and supplies firm in Micronesia. Do you need support with completing your business plan? What energy efficient upgrade can be a big boost for your commercial business as utility rates are seeing increases? Let Get LLC help you answer these important questions to support your small medium, and large business. You can find out more about them on the World Wide Web at get-guam.com. Check them out today. Hello to those listeners checking out the podcast in Lakeville, Minnesota. Also, greetings to those of you listening in Honolulu, Hawaii. With each episode, the listenership continues to grow to include those now listening in Mountain View, California. Can't forget the listeners across my island home, especially those up the road in Chalampago. Half a day to you all. That's it. That's all has a very simple format. The podcast is designed to keep you company as you go from one end of Paradise Guam to the other. Remember to download the podcast as you sit down in front of your desktop or your laptop computer right before that next gym workout or that run on the roads here or abroad. Thank you to our friends at RedCircle.com and pushing out the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Amazon Music. Also, you can find That's It, That's All on the iHeartRadio app and on Pandora. The podcast is also on the KUAM Podcast Network, the best in original programming from the number one source for news and information in Guam and Micronesia. Like, subscribe, or follow the podcast right now on your favorite podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. Click those buttons right now. A very special bonus. An interview with Judge Johnny C. Gogo, a Guam native. He is currently a Superior Court Judge in Santa Clara County, California. On March 21, 2021, Judge Gogo started a 48-star flag signing project to honor Japanese-American soldiers and survivors of internment camps spread out across the U.S. mainland during World War II. Ten camps, to be exact. The project also honors the work of activist Fred Korematsu, 
He was one of 120,000 Japanese Americans interned. As an attorney for 25 years, Judge Gogo had been active in highlighting Fred Korematsu Day events in San Jose, California since 2014 when he was a Santa Clara County Deputy District Attorney there. Interesting, Korematsu's story began in the place where I grew up, the city of San Leandro, California. In 1942, Fred Korematsu was arrested by police there in San Leandro, ironically on, of all days, Memorial Day in 1942, the same federal holiday when the country honors those U.S. military men and women who died in service to America, the same U.S. service members who died while serving and defending democracy. The rounding up of all persons of Japanese ancestry came just after America joined the war in 1941 with the bombing of Pearl Harbor in Hawaii and simultaneous acts in Guam, the only other American community that was bombed and later taken and occupied by Imperial Japanese forces for a period of 19 months. This story of a Nisei, like Korematsu, and the other 80,000 American-born Japanese mostly living on the U.S. West Coast at the time, and even Nisei living in Guam, who were detained and sent from their homes into American internment camps or imprisoned, speaks to the way this minority group was treated by the U.S. legal system then. Korematsu's fight lasted 41 years. It was a fight to protect a belief in liberty consistent with the ideals Korematsu and 23.8 million Asian Pacific Islander Americans still hold dear even in the year 2021. Many would argue the fight is not over. Even adding two more stars to the flag following the entrance of Alaska and Hawaii into the Union in 1959 has not changed the view of the precedent of Japanese-American internment during World War II. Legal scholars believe a similar treatment of a minority group could happen again in America. Korematsu versus the United States. In a January 30, 2017 article, the Smithsonian Magazine called the court case, quote, widely rejected but never overturned, close quote. Judge Gogo, a busy person, a busy jurist, was so generous with his time and willing to share his thoughts on this important effort and an important flag signing project he is spearheading personally. Can I ask you, how many places has this project taken you to so far? Well, the uh, flag signing project, the 48-star flag signing project, has taken me to Washington, D.C. It has taken me to Seattle, Salt Lake City, Heart Mountain, Wyoming. Um, It has taken me throughout uh, California, uh, Sacramento, San Diego. Los Angeles three times, Orange County, Watsonville, Santa Maria, uh, Santa Barbara. I still have to visit Fresno, San Francisco, Alameda in in California. Uh, and uh, I, I was out in Hawaii as well. And a few more stops. I'll, I'll be visiting. Uh, actually, I was also in Denver. I'll be in Arkansas over the next couple of months and Arizona and probably Las Vegas to have some folks in. So uh, definitely all over the country. And and if I can squeeze it in, maybe a trip to Chicago and New York. What was the single event that inspired you to do or really to start this important flag signing project? But I should say, who was the single person that inspired you? And I guess Fred Cormansu would be it, wouldn't it? 
It's certainly Fred, uh, but because Fred passed away, I didn't get a chance to meet him. Uh, but it is his daughter has kind of uh, taken up uh, the the torch in terms of helping to educate the community. His daughter uh, is is Karen uh, Cormatz, Doctor Karen Cormatz, who uh, out of uh, San Francisco, and I met Karen a few years back, and just by listening to the different presentations over the years and meeting uh, Karen and meeting uh, one of the uh, civil rights attorneys who helped overturn Fred's conviction, uh, Dale Minami, uh, again, out of the Bay Area. Uh, I was inspired by, by, by those individuals to try and incorporate more of the community and help spread the education. And that's where the creative idea of, of, this, of obtaining the 48-star flag popped into my mind and and reaching out to those that are still with us, those those that are still living, the survi- survivors of the of the internment camps, the prison camps um, in the United States. You know the the flags that you have have a story, and I'm sure the signed flags will tell. I'm sure different ones. Can you share with me what you've heard from those who have signed your flag so far? Yeah. As you, as you indicated, every every person who has signed the flag has their own story, and I think we're upwards of 700 to 800 signatures, and by the time I donate the flags at the end of January 2022, we'll probably have uh, close to 1,000, if not over 1,000 signatures on, on probably four flags. And it depends on the age of, of the individual when they were in the, in the camps. So again, some of them were born in the camp. Some of them were one or two years old, and so their memories aren't aren't as as uh, developed as others who went into the camps as as young teenagers or even young adults. And and those uh, young teenagers and, and, and adults uh, have a different uh, viewpoint. Uh, obviously, uh, the the hardship um, of being taken away from their uh, their lives, right? They're ripped out of school or work, uh, and uh, their livelihoods, and given essentially uh, maybe 48 hours or less to pack their belongings in one or two suitcases, and then hauled off to, uh, you know, they, they didn't they didn't know where they were going, and ultimately, uh, over 120,000 or so Japanese Americans were uh, placed into 10 major uh, camps, prison camps throughout the United States. And um, the stories have just been incredible. And as you might expect, because because they were, these were um, very hard times for the families to, to go through, uh, a lot of them, especially the parents that are now passed, um, they didn't want to talk about this incident, right? They just wanted to kind of bury the incident and, and move on with their lives. And so that's what many of them did. And so the children back then that are now elderly into their uh, 90s and 100s, they, they often tell me that their parents didn't talk about the incident. And, um, and, and you, can, you can understand that because, again, it was a very traumatizing experience. And sometimes folks deal with trauma by, by bearing and not talking about it and, and just trying to move on from it. But uh, the, the stories have been incredible, uh, heartbreaking. <laughs> This podcast is sponsored by Get LLC, a consulting and specialty construction materials and supplies firm. 
Since 2012, they have provided valuable services to their customers across Micronesia and North America. Check them out on the World Wide Web at get-guam.com. They have a presence on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too. Get LLC. Find out today how they can best serve your business's specific needs. When you think of obviously growing up in Guam and some of the stories uh, that uh, that your family has told you uh, about the occupation of Guam, how is that experience and this experience with the flag signing, um, do they have some kind of synergy or do they merge in terms, in terms of the stories and kind of the feeling of it all? Absolutely. There are uh, similarities between uh, the occupation of our Chamorros and elders in Guam during World War II uh, compared to the uh, mass incarceration of the Japanese Americans um, in the United States. And first and foremost is these folks were uh, forced against their will uh, to be uh, either in in prison camps in the United States or essentially occupied uh, uh, territory uh, on Guam, and um, the so that's kind of the similarity there is that uh, both of these uh, you know both sets were were uh, kind of imprisoned, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, the the Chamorro people, as we know. Um, the occupation was 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 pretty brutal, and um, obviously there there were uh, beheadings and rapes on, on Guam, and then we had the massacre at uh, Menengan. Uh, that you know that type of atrocity uh, on the scale that it happened in Guam didn't did not happen in in the uh, concentration camps. Uh, um, and so I think uh, that's where some of the similarities end. But uh, the the idea of folks being occupied or imprisoned um, is very similar. You know, I, I read a recent book. Uh, it was by an author by the name of Keith L. Camacho. It's called Sacred Men, Law, Torture, and Retribution in Guam. It was about the kind of the dealing with uh, the legalities after World War II um, and uh, it was such a striking similarity to some of the plight of those uh, in um, in the U.S. mainland relative to being interred. Uh, Japanese were um, were taken in, and then all of a sudden were put to work by the Japanese. It was very strange. But I just want to just see if you could talk a little bit about the, the that whole in your experiences in these conversations. Um, they must have felt very different to be taken in. Um, and treated so differently than, say, anyone else in uh, in American society. Yeah, absolutely, these were. You'll have to remember. Uh, it's very important to remember uh, uh, that they were American citizens that uh, were, uh, again, forcibly relocated without due process of law, uh, without uh, their constitutional rights being being protected, and and that's where the the uh, the sad. Uh, dark history of our chapter is because uh, we uh, uphold ourselves as a constitutional nation in, in protecting those uh, individual liberties for our citizens. Yet in 1942, uh, our Japanese American citizens uh, were not afforded those protections, and uh, that was very hard for the folks that were uh, again born here in the United States, and they were they grew up. 
as free citizens, and then and then war, World War II breaks out, and they're now viewed as uh, enemies, enemy aliens, and uh, that is very difficult and, and very traumatizing. And so, uh, you know, the the flag signing project again is is to remind folks uh, to that we, we we need to make sure that we stand up for our constitutional rights at all times. Uh, even especially in the difficult times, and again, it, this is uh, the flag signing project is meant to honor those uh, Japanese American citizens uh, who had to uh, go through that uh, terrible time in our history. This podcast is sponsored by Get LLC, a consulting and specialty construction materials and supplies firm. Since 2012, they have provided valuable services to their customers across Micronesia and North America. Check them out on the World Wide Web at get-guam.com. They have a presence on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Get LLC. Find out today how they can best serve your business's specific needs. What is your message to young people about the kind of advocacy the Flag Signing Project is bringing to our society, not just uh, in uh, in all of the Pacific and in the on the West Coast, but all across the country. What's your message? Well, my message is that we need to learn our history because, uh, unfortunately, from generation to generation, we often forget uh, the lessons of history, the lessons that our parents went through, that our elders went through, that uh, those before us went through. And so it's important to make sure we we understand and we learn our history, um, and, in, and in particular, uh, it's important for us to uh, try and um, prevent those mistakes from history from happening again. Because, uh, as as we know, oftentimes the the history does repeat itself, and oftentimes it's the negative aspects of history that uh, will often repeat themselves. And so, it's important for the for the younger generation. Uh, to be on alert, uh, to uh, make sure that they keep an eye out uh, and and stand up and protect uh, everybody's constitutional rights. Because if if uh, if we don't stand up uh, for one group of American citizens and protect their constitutional rights, then really uh, our constitutional rights are are meaningless. And so that's the that's the I think the the important lesson is to learn from history uh, to and to prevent uh, those mistakes from happening again. You know, uh, w- when you when you do speak to those young people, do they understand that concept? I think sometimes we we think our kids live in that society of well, they're all tech driven. They don't really understand some of these events, and especially those that happen way before their time, as they would say. But uh, reaching to them, is it has it been a, a harder conversation to have with some of these young people that are showing up to your events? With some of the younger people, uh, it uh, you know they don't really get the meaning and, and the true grasp of and the gravity of the situation, and and that's that's understandable because as young people, it's, it's harder for them to to relate. But uh, it's just important to 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 make sure that they're aware of it, that they're exposed to it, because when they become younger adults and and uh, you know they start to uh, they're able to research and, and learn and, and read about history on their own, then they can reflect back on, on these types of experience with their with their elders, their grandparents, uh, 
who who aren't going to be with us, uh, you know, um, those that are in their nineties or even in their hundreds are probably aren't going to be with us over the next ten years, and so it's, it is important for the for their uh, children, their grandchildren, some of the great grandchildren, uh, to um, learn about uh, what their grandparents have, have gone through. Uh, so again. Um, we're ready and, and, and won't repeat those mistakes again. And, and, and speaking of those grandchildren, especially those of the Nisei, the, of the, the Japanese, the first generation, I'm sure that that is uh, probably not lost on them, right, John? It is not lost on them. And, um, and, and again, as I, as I travel throughout the country uh, to give folks an opportunity to sign the flags, they're very grateful uh, for the opportunity uh, to take part in this, this project. And, and put their names on these on these 48 star flags, and uh, again to to help uh, uh, not only remember the sacrifice of, of themselves and their families, but honor their legacies and honor their the the their resiliency, and uh, again uh, to to make sure that these mistakes don't happen again. Okay, so um, I know this has been kind of your push, but. Are you looking for folks to help contribute, and and how can people get involved, uh, especially to sign? Where can they go to to participate? Well, the um, the the flag signing projects are really are coming down to the final months. It's really just a matter of uh, I'm on a mission now to to take the flags uh, to the ten major prison camp sites throughout the United States as a way to honor. Uh, those that have signed the flag from all of the 10 major camps. And, and so we've got a few more stops uh, down in Los Angeles and, and um, uh, Southern California. Uh, uh, folks can certainly uh, reach out to me. Um, uh, they can contact me through the Santa Clara County Superior Court to uh, see if they're uh, interested in, in trying to get their name on the flag, or they can reach out to the San Jose Japanese American Museum or the National Japanese American Museum in Los Angeles uh, for for uh, more signing dates and, and events. Any last words you want to share with the with the, those that are listening? I just want to thank you, Sean, for for giving me the opportunity to help share this project uh, with your audience. And um, again, we we just all need to be uh, alert, and uh, we just need to be aware of our history. Uh, so that we can uh, help uh, stand up for one another uh, if we need to. Thank you, Judge Gogo. Such a privilege to spend time with him for this particular episode. That's it. That's all. Bonus. If you enjoyed this podcast, download, press subscribe, or follow us right now. More great content is on the way. Talk to you soon. The That's It, That's All podcast is produced by Sean Gamatata. Executive producer is Trisha Gamatata. Hit the subscribe or follow button and leave a review. Thanks for listening. The KUAM Podcast Network is back and on demand. Featuring a great variety of podcasts from our island and region, including culture, lifestyle, awareness, crime, politics, commentary, comedy, and entertainment. Available on most streaming platforms. The KUAM Podcast Network.
subscribe and listen now.